I'm going to ask that you take out your, your Bibles. Just have them handy. We'll open them up in just a moment's time. We're going to be looking at Galatians 1, 1 to 5. Message is entitled, The Gospel Perspective. A man came to a construction site where a number of stonemasons were at work. Basically, it looked like they were all doing the same thing. The man said to the one worker, what are you doing? The stonemason said, you can see, I'm chipping a stone. The man walked over to another stonemason and said the same thing. What are you doing? He pointed out, he said, I'm building a wall. The man walked over to a third mason and said, What are you doing? And the mason said, I'm building a cathedral. Yeah. All three doing the same thing, but what a difference in the area of perspective. Before summer, we finished a study in the book of Acts. The book of Acts ends with Paul in Rome. He's waiting for trial. He's on trial, waiting for his trial. It will end with his execution. It is possible that Paul wrote the book of Romans just at the end of what we traditionally call Paul's third missionary journey as he plans on returning to Jerusalem and he's got his sights set on Rome. He writes the letter to the Romans. He had never been in Rome. He writes the following words at the end of this letter. And this is, these words are key to what we've been looking at in the area of the book of Acts and what we're going to be looking at this morning in Galatians. Romans 15, 23 to 25. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions. No more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. However, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. There we are in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. That's where we kind of ended up. Eight more chapters of Paul's journey to Rome takes place in the book of Acts. He gets to Rome not the way he intended. A perspective is changed in the process. Several perspectives. Paul had not converted all of Asia, or Asia Minor as such. He had not even preached or visited in all the communities in Asia Minor. But he says there's no place left. 
because the church was established and the kingdom grows through disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so the church was there and it was the task of the church to continue to work, to proclaim the gospel. No place left for him. Perspective. Perspective. Paul believed that he would go to Rome and so he began that journey to Rome first by going to Jerusalem and then on from there and he got to Jerusalem and he was arrested. And from there he had an all expenses paid trip to Rome. Not the way he thought but there it was. Perspective. Paul was called to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. That's you and me. That's non-Jews. As we start the fall season, I'll lead us in the study of the letters of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. These are churches that are mentioned in the book of Acts. These are churches that Paul had a part in planting. He writes them at different times, okay? The letter of Galatians, he probably wrote shortly before he wrote the Romans. At the end of that third missionary journey, he knew he was going to Jerusalem, he knew he was going to Rome, he had to leave parting instructions to Galatia, because Galatia is a region, not a church. And he had to leave them instructions because as old churches, there are issues. And there will be issues in the church until Christ returns. Because we are people on a journey. We've accepted Christ. Our sins are forgiven. Past, present, future. But we are living out life. And so there will be issues. Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are written during Paul's imprisonment. But that letter to Galatians, the Galatia, the region of Galatia, is north-central modern-day Turkey. So Asia Minor, we could say. And the churches were most likely composed of non-Jews, of Gentiles, of people like you and I, the people that Paul was called to bring the gospel to. And so here we are, Galatians 1, 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. In verse 1 and 2 of Galatians, Paul gives us his perspective. Or we could say God's perspective. Old letters were traditionally written with the introduction of the writer first. 
We write our letters very different. We sign our names at the end of the letter. But ancient letters were written with the sender's name first. So that when you would read the letter, you knew who the letter was from. Of course, we know who the letter's from today because what do we do? We look at the return address. Oh, who gets a letter today? We get bills. <laughs> we don't even have to look at them, right? Emails. What do you do when you get an email? You look who the sender is. And then you decide if you're going to open up the email. So, in ancient days, they were smarter. <laughs> they just put their name right at the very top, you know? So, the letter is from Paul. Greek name. Saul is Paul's Jewish name. Greek name, Paul. Because the churches in Galatia were Greek churches, we could say. Gentiles, not Jews. The word apostle means a sent person, a person who is sent on a mission. But there's more to it than that. And that's what we need to grasp. That's what Paul wanted the church in Galatia to grasp because he's writing this letter and he's dealing with issues. So it's, it's more than just being sent. An apostle is one who is sent with authority to represent the person who is sending. It has the concept of being a messenger, but more than that, it's really an ambassador. Because in a way, you're not just carrying the message, but you're kind of carrying the flavor and everything of the, of, of the one who sent the message. So, so there's the, maybe an ambassador, but possibly even more, and we might say that Paul had power of attorney. So there's some power behind this concept, the, the original Greek word apostolos. There's authority behind it. So an apostle is one who is sent with a message by the authority of the person sending the message and their power. There's power in that message or if you don't obey that message. Way back in the book of Acts, we read about the church at Antioch placing their hands on Paul and Barnabas and sending them off. Acts 13, verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Our perspective might be that the church sent Paul and Barnabas. That an institution, the church, or that a person or people sent Paul. That might be our perspective. But Paul tells us in these two, first, these two verses, the first two verses of Galatians, that that's not the right perspective. He states that he was sent not from any group and not by any human authority. The church, and it should be the same way today, the church is only confirming God's call on Paul and Barnabas. 
You see, you can get the wrong perspective if you take something out of context. So we go back to Acts 13 and we read verses 1 to 2 before we come to 3. And now we read, in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then comes verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Paul is making it really clear as to the authority. It's important to us. This letter that we're reading today has that same authority behind it. This is not just something that Paul wrote off in his spare time. This is not just some thoughts of Paul some human writings. God directing these words. I want us to tell you that if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you too are sent. So, so keep that in mind. When Paul says an apostle, you too are sent. Matthew 28, I, I, you know, I turn to these verses so often because they're so important. The Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus commissions every person who has accepted him as Lord and Savior. Not only does he commission us, not only is that like go make disciples, but catch the authority. Jesus says all authority. And then he ends with, right? And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. When we move forward with the gospel... We are moving forward in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to know the Word, to study the Scriptures, like the Bereans in the, in the, 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 the letter of Acts. Luke 9, we see it in, in the Scriptures how, how Jesus commissions. In Luke 9, he commissions the 12 disciples. In Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72, and he commissions them the same way, giving them power and authority. Demons are driven out. Miracles happen. The gospel that Paul was sent to preach, the gospel that we are sent to declare, not just words, by a human being, words from God with action. Christ died for our sins, and we are to proclaim that gospel not just in words but in deeds. Paul says just further on in Galatians, and just so that we put this piece together properly, this area of perspective, Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, he's writing this to us today too, 
because this is God's words, God's writing to us. 2,000 years later, it's still there, totally intact to us today. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. If the gospel is from God, the one who created all, that is in our world, and he created out of, out of nothing, you don't want to misrepresent his message. You don't want to twist it. You don't want to get it mixed up. You don't want to add your stuff to it. And so again, we study the word of God and we learn and we are on a journey and we proclaim the gospel now and we might grow and learn and we proclaim the gospel later and it might grow. We are in a learning curve. The gospel is to be presented as God disclosed it. The gospel is about grace and peace. That's what the gospel is about. So we see God's gospel message, the perspective on the gospel. Galatians 1, 3 to 5 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There are two powerful components of the gospel that are clearly presented to us here. They're found in that phrase, grace and peace. To you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Grace is about what has been done for you. Grace means that you don't do it. Okay? Peace. Peace is about the results of grace. It's the outcome of what God did for you. Grace is possible because God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. God paid the price. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ made forgiveness possible. grace. We were, we are all sinners. It tells us in the word, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you don't believe in the God who's revealed in this Bible, the triune God, the God who manifests himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, you are in rebellion to God. You're a sinner. And by believing, I don't mean just mental assent. A lot of people say, yeah, there's a God there. That's not what we're talking about. Belief in God results in obeying all that Jesus taught. It's in, it's in the commission. 
and teach them to obey all. So belief in God results in obeying all that Jesus taught. Belief in God results in a total life change from it's about me to it's about God. God is now first and foremost in our lives. It's not about my pleasures. It's about God's desire. And peace is positionally possible because Jesus died. Peace means, at the end of the day, that we do not need to eat certain foods. We do not need to worship on certain days. We do not need to follow certain cultural lifestyles. It means that our salvation is not based on works, Jesus plus something. Peace means that we are free from sin's hold on us. That's what it means. We have been forgiven. Peace with God takes place. And peace in our lives takes place. The fretting, the worry, all the stuff. Because God, He loves us, He's paid the price for our sins, He dwells in us, we are His child. We will receive an eternal inheritance. He walks with us today. His power and his authority is there for us if we turn to him and cry out. This peace is freedom. Freedom. And then Paul ends this introduction and I just want to introduce us to the book of Galatians. That's all we wanted to do here this morning. Paul ends this introduction with that affirmation, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let it be so. That's it. What does it mean? It means I can't change the world. I can't stop all the problems in this world. I can't stop the lies. I can't stop the gossip. I can't stop the sin. But it means that I, can, that I don't have to live underneath the tyranny of sin. I'm free. It means that I can be different because I am free. It means that I'm forgiven. I think of the Lord's Prayer. Touched on that just a moment in the, earlier in the service. The Lord's Prayer, a prayer that we are so familiar with. In a moment's time, I'll invite you to the communion tables. But, but I want us to apply what we heard. Grace and peace. And that this message is not of human origin. It's God, our creator, who tells us this, who has done this. And then we think of the Lord's Prayer. I want you to, to pray the Lord's Prayer but I'm, I'm going to do something a little different. I've asked the AV people 
to put up a song of the Lord's Prayer. Okay? And you've probably heard many songs of the Lord's Prayer. But this song has something very special in it. I've heard it many times, and my wife earlier in the week, she said to me, you know, this, this song has just been resonating in my mind because of. And I'll tell you what the because of is. You'll hear this phrase repeated throughout the song. Matt sings the song, and he says, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right here in my heart. That's where it begins. In your heart. And so that's the cry. I want you to follow along. Maybe you know it and you can kind of sing it. Just feel free to whatever way you want. Worship. Make it your prayer, okay? And then I'll come up and give instructions for communion. Go ahead. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in 